This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 43 of Retired Racehorse Radio on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Cashel Products, and Bait Saddles. Retired Racehorse Radio is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse, brought to you in cooperation with the Retired Racehorse Project and New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. On today's show, we are talking to RRP Program Manager Kristen Bentley about working ranch and how she has found it to be a great second career for her retired racers. We jump sides from Western to Side Saddle with guests Ashley Glorioso and why she prefers the off-the-track thoroughbred as her preferred mount, and Leandra is back with another hot training tip, and of course, brings you our New Vocations Adoptable Horse of the Week. Stay tuned. And they're off on Retired Racehorse Radio, the podcast that is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse. This is Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma. And this is Joy Hills from Kalamazoo, Michigan, and you're listening to Retired Racehorse Radio. Girl, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little sore, and I cannot believe you have this guest booked today after what I did today. I know. When I saw it, I was like... It's so perfect. It's amazing. She doesn't even know. We're so connected. So truth (laughs) behind the scenes, Joy books most of the guests. And so I really don't know who's coming on until I sit down. I'm like, oh, but I posted some videos of my first ever side saddle riding lesson. I had a side saddle riding lesson. Abby, who is staying with us and and myself, uh, she was on Drax, our off the track thoroughbred, and I was on my Mustang Zeus. <laughs> and we had a side saddle riding lesson and you booked a side saddle rider for today. It's like, we're totally connected. It's too perfect. I was so happy about it. So of course, it's going to be really fun to hear your experience as a first time side saddle rider, plus hearing how Ashley's been doing it for years. It's, it's going to be really cool to hear how you guys are pulling it together. <laughs> I might be a little sore, not gonna lie. There's some different muscles that you use. For yeah. That. I have to admit you're braver than me because I look at that. I'm like, no, and I need an emergency dismount and I'm scared, but okay. <laughs> This you, girl. Just between you and me, just between you and me. So I was like, so how do I get on? She's like, get on. Uh, yeah. But like, where do things between you and me? I was terrified, mm-hmm. terrified. Like that was, it's like this, I'm standing on the mounting block and there's only one stirrup. And I was like, what do I do? Like, do I like throw my leg over and like swing it all the way around and hook it around? And where does my feet go? And you have to point your toes down on your right foot, which is super weird because my whole life it's been like heels down. It's like toe down, point your toes. I'm like, no, that's backwards. Uh It's not okay. And it was terrifying. Uh, you know, I tried driving one time and I thought driving was really scary too. Yet I'll go and I'm a three day eventer. So what, you know, mm-hmm. you just got to find your comfort zone. Uh, so I think I'll tr- stick with riding green horses, the normal, way. but the normal I still way. love, I still love hearing how people are doing really adventurous things, which is always cool. Oh gosh. It's so fun to connect with people. And I can't wait to hear somebody who has a lot of success mm-hmm. in the world of thoroughbreds, because to be honest, I did not know how Drax, whose jockey club name is nuisance, which we couldn't call him. <laughs> uh, I, I was not super convinced that he was going to be okay with it. Like, 
I mean, he's never had anything like that before. And they actually said, oh, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. T- it takes the horses 10 minutes. And I was like, yeah, but what happens in zero to 10? Like, how yeah. do they? What's our thoroughbreds after all? I know. I was like, <laughs> uh, and he's like a very, he's sensitive. And I'm not kidding you. He cantered around like an old show pony with no. Abby sitting on him side saddle. And I was like, but, but both legs are on the side, same side. I, I was sitting on Zeus and I was like, well, how do I get him to go? And she's like, how do you normally get him to go? And I was like, I squeeze with my legs. And she's like, I don't know, squeeze. And I squeeze because you only have like your left leg on the side mm-hmm. of the horse. And he totally side passed. <laughs> it's like he knows how to like leg yield and things like that. And he just moved over like, well, that's it. And she was like, typically you'd have like a whip or a cane on the other side. And I was like, mm-hmm. I don't have those things. So I just clucked and like shook the reins at him. Like giddy up, <laughs> move forward, giddy up. So um, that is my side cell experience. We'll see if I do it again, but I'm excited to learn a little bit about Ashley and how she mm-hmm. uses, because she actually looks legit going over these pictures I've watched from her. So we'll get to that in a little bit more. We're going to talk to Kristen about her thoroughbred, and then Mm -hmm. we're going to talk to Leandra with something that all of us deal with, and that is ulcers in the -the off-the-track thoroughbred. So Mm -hmm. that'll be coming up. But first, let's hear a word from our title sponsor, Kentucky Performance Products. She swallowed hard as they walked into the start box. She could feel his muscles tense under her leg. Five, four, three, Two, one, have a great ride. She didn't have to ask. He galloped out of the box and across the field toward their first training level course. His ears pricked, her heart pounded. He attacked each obstacle with confidence, clearing them with room to spare. A huge smile broke out on her face as she crossed through the finish flags. She leaned forward and buried her face in his neck. Their bond of love and trust blocked out all else. This love story is brought to you by Elevate. Research proven to have superior bioavailability. Elevate supplies the essential vitamin E often missing from the equine diet. Its all-natural formula supports healthy muscle and nerve functions. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Call 859-873-2974 or visit kppusa.com to order today. Well, we've had her on before, but we love her so much. We had to have her back again. We have Kristen Kovach-Bentley, who's from the Retired Racehorse Project. She's their program manager there, and she's also competed in the Retired Racehorse Makeover before. And so we wanted to bring her on to kind of talk about the Western thoroughbred with us today. Welcome to the show, Kristen. Hey, thanks for having me on again. Of course. We're so excited to have you. I feel like we have kind of missed out on our Western thoroughbred tribe, and I just... I had to call you. You're the girl for it. You're such a leader in it. And you do something pretty cool with your thoroughbred uh, jobber. You compete in working ranch. What? Tell us a little bit about what that is. Yeah. So in the show pen, we compete. Um, the sport is called ranged cow horse. There's a ton of different like ranch type cow horse type activities. So you might also find similar classes called versatility ranch. Um, or various aspects of this will show up in the ranch horse as well. So the Western world gets a little confusing that way. Um, but we are in strictly a reined cow horse state association. And to the best of my knowledge, I think I'm probably the only thoroughbred like nationally competing in this sport, or I ride the only thoroughbred. So I guess we're, we're doing the best out of all of them. So 
Now, before before we go into it further, like this is not just like I show on the weekends like this is kind of a lifestyle for you. Mm -hmm. And now you have two thoroughbreds. Tell everybody about where you live and what you do. Yeah, so we are in New York State, about as far west in New York State as you can get before you run into Erie, Pennsylvania. So we're usually cut off the map of New York, actually, because we're so far west. Uh, It's a very rural (laughs) county, and I was lucky enough to marry a lovely man um, whose family runs a small beef operation. Um, It's just a diversified family farm, but um, most of the acreage is tied up with beef grazing. So um, so yeah, I get to go play cowgirl a little bit every day. Um, It's not my day job, but a nice way for me to work off my board by keeping an eye on the cattle for uh, my sister-in-law and grandfather. So, yeah, so every day um, I either ride Jobber Bill, who's the horse that I took to the 2018 makeover, and I've had him the longest. Um, and just about a year ago, actually we're coming up on the one-year mark, um, I purchased Regal Justice, who we call Shorty Harmon. Um, and he was actually the winner of the ranch horse in 2018 at the makeover. So my friend Tony Harmon, I had lost a really nice old horse uh, last fall. And she kept telling me, you need to come by Shorty Harmon. You need to come by Shorty Harmon. And finally, one day I said, okay, I'm coming. So, <laughs> so I brought him home and uh, adjusted him a little bit for the, the working ranch life. But he already had a lot of criteria that I like to look for in a horse. So it was a, a fairly smooth transition. Um, we discovered the hard way that, unfortunately, he has recurrent uveitis. So the, the stress of the move gave him a, an eye flare-up. But he's doing really, really well with that. So we just make some adjustments to his lifestyle. And, um, yeah, he's really adjusted great to the the working ranch life. And we went to an open show this year. Maybe we'll get some more shows next year. We'll see how it goes. Gotcha. So you, uh, you're saying you have the only, you're really competing the only thoroughbred in it. Why do you think that is? Is it just lack of exposure or is there something confirmationally people need to look for to pick a thoroughbred for this? What do you, what do you think is holding them back? Well, I think in the range cow horse, it's become so specialized in the breeding um, I mean, you can get a, a purpose-bred horse that pretty much seems to come out of the womb knowing how to work a cow. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's a similar thing that you run into in any discipline that, you know, the thoroughbred has so much athletic ability. Um, mm-hmm. And there's no reason that a thoroughbred can't work a cow because Jobber truly, if I turn Jobber out with the cattle, he will go and work cows by himself. Um, oh, so wow. He definitely has an aptitude for it. <laughs> he really, really enjoys it. Um, unfortunately, Jobber is not built for the job that he loves. Uh, so when people ask me like, oh, well, how do I find a job where I'm like, well, maybe you don't look for one, <laughs> uh, find something else. So, yeah. So, um, you know, I mean, I can talk about <laughs> what people should look for and then how I ended up with two horses who are physically completely unsuited to do range cow horse. Um, but I think what's important with that, if you're riding a thoroughbred, is just to manage your expectations. So I don't expect to go down there and, you know, go right down the fence and, and win the classes, but I don't show to win. I just show as a, a marker of my training and to help me sort of build goals for the next season. So, um, so that's a little unusual, I think, because I think a lot of people who go out to compete are competitive and that's why they're there. So, um, but you can buy, you know, a purpose bred quarter horse for reined cow horse, you know, fairly cheap. I don't want to say cheap, but you know, like you can invest your money and get one of these horses that's designed for this very specialized sport and well-trained and well-started. So just like in any other discipline with the thoroughbreds, you do have to invest a lot more time Mm -hmm. to retrain and recondition the horse for that kind of physical job. So especially for jobber, the conditioning is very important because he's really not built to be a cow horse. He's not designed to get down low and to make those rollback turns. 
he thinks he's a lot quicker on his feet than he is, uh, but he, he tends to drop a shoulder and kind of lug in on the cow, which is the problem. You know, you really want a horse to be elevated off his shoulder and, and not lean on your cow because that's how you lose cattle pretty quickly. So, um, so we do a lot of different conditioning exercises at home, especially to strengthen his back end. His hind end was, I don't know what it was designed for. It was definitely not designed for cow horse. I don't really think it was designed for anything, but uh, <laughs> he has a very high set tail. Um, he sort of has a weak hip, and he's got very long cannon bones. So those are the opposite of what you'd really like to look for in a cow horse. You want, you know, a horse that's really designed to tuck his little booty under him and mm. spin over those hocks and take right off. And Jabber's body is working against him. <laughs> so sometimes but, you know, with those realistic expectations and careful conditioning, we can still go and have a, a safe day and a fun day. So. Oh, absolutely. And so maybe some of the, you know, the shorter thoroughbreds who seem to get overlooked at those adoption agencies potentially are a great option for this career in that case. For sure. Yeah. And especially as a working horse, you know, the thoroughbreds have the stamina to go all day long. So Mm -hmm. where, you know, I used to bottom out a quarter horse if we were trying to bring our cows down and we had some sticky ones and we had to go back and, you know, round them up and, and do a little tough work. The quarter horse would be bottomed out by lunchtime and you know, with Jabber, I can put a cooler on him and put him in the barn, grab a sandwich, and he's ready to go again in the afternoon, and Aww. he goes all day. So I enjoy <laughs> that part of him, for sure. <laughs> Love it. I'm going to ask you the tough question. So you'd say, I want to get my thoroughbred. I found the one that's the opposite of Jobber, <laughs> but has the same heart and mindset. My first year with him, because you trained him as well to go to the makeover, what are your, you know, your top five tips for someone who wants to get their horse kind of in that mental mindset to go into the Western discipline? Oh, five tips are, you're going to have to count for me. So (laughs) (laughs) Uh, one thing I made sure I did in 2018, and it, it was tough for me because of course, when you're preparing for the makeover, you start to put that timeline in your head. You start thinking, I've got 10 months now, I've got nine months now, I've got eight months it's uh, so terrifying the sure. way it ticks down, yeah. doesn't it? <laughs> it goes so fast. Yeah, and it's amazing because truly it's not different from any other show that you put on your calendar mm-hmm. in terms of, yes, you know, like, is. let's say like, oh, I, I want to qualify for ADCs next year. You know, right. you don't put a timeline to ADCs on your training, but for some reason right. with a makeover, it, it works a little differently. Yeah. So I made sure that if I wrote him, and this is a little excessive, I wrote him probably six days a week um, preparing for the makeover, but at the same time, I need to make sure that I get eyes on my cows every single day. So that gave me one day to go out there on foot or take another horse. <laughs> so right. I rode jobber six days a week. Um, two of those days were dedicated to dry work or flat work. Two of those were dedicated to actually working the cows, you know, just sort of dorking around with the herd and trying to hold calves and cows away from the others. And then two of those days were strictly just trail riding. But that way he still got out every day. I could still look at the cows every day, make sure everybody was good. And then he could just go on a nice meander, maybe go for a long lope across the farm and just take all the pressure off. Um, so that way we'd still get in lots of saddle time, but I didn't put the pressure on him too much. Really, I put the pressure on myself more than anything. Right. <laughs> so make sure you make time for fun, especially if you're training with a big goal in mind. Make time for fun. You know, these horses really don't need to get crammed, crammed on for months and months at a time. So that's one big tip. My, I guess my second tip, I don't have an arena at all. Terrifying. <laughs> so As a dressage rider, that's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This time of year gets really tricky because now that jobber's like up to fighting weight with, you know, good muscle and good fat, he gets a little sassy in the winter. So I have to pick my battles with him this time of year, but that's why I got the second horse. So Shorty can go out and check cows and mm-hmm. jobber can work on other things closer to the barn. Uh, but yeah, I don't have a ring. So 
that really forced me to be creative. And there were a lot of days, especially over the winter, where the most I could do was maybe walk or sometimes only ground walk out to the cattle. So don't be afraid to think outside your box. Sometimes the seasons really force you to to slow down and, and reassess your training and work on some of those things that you probably should work on in the summer and sort of get pushed to the side. So um, like this winter, we're working on things like standing quietly in the barn while other horses leave. Uh, <laughs> Mm-hmm. So all the stuff you should work on all year round, but really mm-hmm. the winter forces you to slow down and, and take your time with that. Especially where you are. Then, I mean, the winter yeah, is, yeah. is like no kind of joke. crippling for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. We got our first snow over the weekend, but then it was 64 today. So, you know, it, it, it trades off. November can be really nice. Um, we're very lucky. This, we're going to have a beautiful week and then it'll, I'm sure, start to snow again in two weeks and that'll be the end of it. But um <laughs> <laughs> we make the most of it. So, you know, it'll slow me down a little bit and make our rides a little shorter. We'll have more snuggle time in the barn and, and less loping across the pasture. So it all works out. And I think one of the most important things to remember if you're preparing for the makeover is uh, have a plan for after the makeover. So I got Jobber as my forever horse. So he actually, <laughs> I was in the in-game chat for a fantasy horse racing game that I played. And the game creator was like, I have this thoroughbred and I don't know what to do with him. I can't really afford to keep him. And I think he might really like cows, but I'm not sure because I'm a show jumper. And we sort of worked it out. And I just drove up across the border into Canada and picked him up. And turns out he really did like cows. Her assessment was correct. And I'd always really wanted to get a thoroughbred to get into ranch work. And he proved to be the perfect one. Um, I know now. (laughs) I know now what I wouldn't pick confirmationally, but I didn't know that at the time. And in some ways, maybe it's sort of a, a blessing in disguise because now I have a great horse. What are the confirmational red flags? Um, I would really, like I mentioned before, I would pick a horse with a stronger back end. Um, I don't think necessarily there's anything wrong with Jobber that he's going to you know, break down earlier or anything. Um, again, as long as I'm very mindful of his condition, you know, and then plan my rides accordingly. Like in range cow horse, you do want a horse to have a good square sliding stop, which I can't practice because I only ride on grass. So we just accept the fact that we're not going to have a great sliding stop. I'm not going to put sliding plates on them and try to ride them on grass. So, um, you know, we pick our battles and and work on different things. He's a little high-low in the front. I would probably not. If if I had two horses that looked really good and I was leaning towards the one with high-low, I'd probably leave that one and get the other one because the high-low mismatched front feet is proving to have all sorts Mm -hmm. of effects elsewhere in his body. So he's got uneven shoulders. One thing we're going to be working on now is trying to find a better saddle that fits him. We determined the other day his saddle's not really fitting him very well. So that's a whole other ball of wax trying to fit Western saddles on thoroughbreds. So, oh, yeah. Uh, no that's, kidding. A, that's a really common question that we get in the Western thoroughbred group. Um, and there is no you know silver bullet answer to that. You just need to try a lot of saddles on and try to work with a fitter that really knows how to select a Western saddle. That's the best advice we can give people on that. Lots but, of you know, good if information. I, all over again too, yeah. I love Jobber's mindset and I love the way that he loves to work cows. So he doesn't know that he's not built for it. So I'm not going to tell him. I had a and trainer tell me either. one time I was trying to event a Mustang who looked very drafty. And um, I remember her telling me <laughs> as I'm coming around trying to get through this grid, she's like, you know what? He's not built for it. He's not bred for it. So you're just going to have to help him as much as you can. And that to me, you think a job, you're not bred for mm-hmm. it. You're not built for it, but you know what? By God, you're going to have to help him as much as you can to get the job done. And looks like you're doing what you're supposed to exactly. do. Exactly. Oh yeah. We have fun. 
we have fun and we've assembled a really nice um, community in our range cow horse organization where a lot of people have bought top dollar horses. There's some excellent horses on our state association and people still come to the rail and cheer for Jobber just because they think he's cool. Aww. They're like, you guys are having Aww. so much fun and you guys are making a lot of progress. So it's, you know, it's fun for people to cheer us on for that. Mm-hmm. And I think because I am really realistic, like we're not going to go out and go win a bridal spectacular. It's just not mm-hmm. in the cards for us. And that's okay because that's not what I'm after right now. I just want to mm-hmm. see how far I can take this great little horse and have some fun and learn a lot awesome. about Western traditions. So there you go. There you have I it. I love it. Well, Kristen, if people want to follow you and Jobber and learn more about the Western Thoroughbred, where can they find that? Oh, several places. So I'm still blogging a little bit for Horse Nation. Um, our column is called Racehorse to Ranch Horse. And actually, my most recent one is called Form Follows Function, except when it doesn't. And that's exactly about what we just talked about. Um, about the <laughs> ways that I keep Jobber conditioned, even though his body is not designed for range cow horse. Uh, Jobber also has a Facebook page. It's uh, Jobber Bill Racehorse to Ranch Horse. And of course, I'm regularly making appearances at the Western Thoroughbred, which is a page as well as a group. So I'm an ambassador for that organization. Perfect. Well, thank you so much again, Kristen, for coming on. And thanks for sharing, obviously, the lovely jobber with us. And uh, we'll be following your progress with him as you guys keep going up. All right. Thanks so much for having me again. Thanks, Guy. Thanks, Kristen. Give jobber a carrot from us. Will do. Casual Company helps you enjoy the ride with their full line of trail bags and tush cushions. From kennel bags to horn bags and everything in between, comfort and convenience on the trail is what Casual does best. To stay up to date with their latest products and news, follow Casual Company on Facebook and Instagram. And to find their products, visit an authorized dealer or visit casualcompany.com. That's casualcompany.com. Ashley, it's crazy that you are on because I was just telling the tale of my first ever side saddle riding lesson today. And you are a side saddle. Like, I I don't even, what's the word? What do you, you're like an expert in side saddle and you're a competitor, right? I wouldn't say expert, um, but (laughs) competitor for sure. So tell us a little bit about you. Where are you? And tell us a little bit about your career with side saddle horses. So I'm in Culpeper, Virginia, to be exact. I started doing side saddle with my old horse, who's now passed away, but he had done it a little bit before I got him. Um, I did it in my junior years, like through 4-H, and that's how I got started doing it. Um, I've kept doing it through my adult years now. I've ridden countless horses aside now, which is a pretty crazy thing, because not all of them are great or the most comfortable, but... Honestly, you give it a try and they all sort of take to it. So Ashley, why side saddle and why thoroughbreds? How does that connection come together? So thoroughbreds specifically, because I always grew up riding thoroughbreds. My mom rode thoroughbreds. It's something that we've always done. They're Mm -hmm. extremely versatile. So, you know, they are going to give whatever you're doing with them 100%. You know, all the ones that I've ridden, they've all actually come around and have done pretty successfully with it. I got into side saddle, like I said, with my old horse. He had done it a little bit, so I wanted to try it out with him. You know, it took some lessons from someone, a couple people. And just kind of, it's something that's very unique, which I like about it. Very old-fashioned, which I don't know why I like that, but (laughs) I think it's part of the elegance and you know, it is something different. People are like, 
Ooh, ah, this is cool, which I like. Not always the most comfortable. But okay, so it, let it me stop something... you there because I wrote in my first lesson this morning, and I am glad you said that because I don't <laughs> think it was the most comfortable thing that I that I've ever done. Somebody asked me, was it more comfortable sitting side saddle than sitting, you know, like mounted on a horse? And uh, not to be whatever, but like no, no. No, <laughs> not. No, and especially not like, you know, when you're first starting, it's definitely very strange. You use a whole different set of muscles. Yeah. Um, so that's something that you have to get used to. Now, to me, canering is much more comfortable. Trotting is not because it's so up and down. If you just look at the horse's gait in general, the canter is more forward and back or trotting they're you know, up and down. So that to me is what makes some of that uncomfortable. And then to some of it is the horse, you know, their way of going and how they're built. Sometimes some of them are more comfortable than others. One of my thoroughbreds who he did okay with this side saddle, but he was, he's not my favorite because he's, he's a lot harder to ride because he's more uncomfortable than some of the others. Right. Well, it's funny. Um, Maggie, who gave me my lesson, uh, she's, I guess the president of the American side saddle association. So she was coming through town and stopped and gave me a lesson. And she said that back in the day, when this like, you know, side saddle has been around since like 1300s. And she said that mm -hmm. women never trotted. It was either a walk or a canter. Women never trotted. It was improper. And I'm probably sure it was like, you know, cause you're bouncing around a little bit more than yeah. you should for, <laughs> yeah. you know, old timey purposes. Um, but she said there was never, you never trotted, which I was like, that sounds amazing. Let's do that. Yeah. Yeah, trotting is not, I've been doing, you know, some trot sets here lately to try to get back in shape and it's, it's not comfortable, <laughs> but it is very beautiful and very elegant. And, um, it, it's just, it, it, it is really impressive to watch and definitely, um, like we, we, my arena is right by the road and somebody actually stopped their truck on the side of the road to watch us ride around side saddles. So it definitely oh, wow. gets people's <laughs> attention for sure. I'm sure they were like, in, sure. I'm in Oklahoma, they're like, what the hell is she doing when that horse was <laughs> crazy? I mean, I'm already in an English saddle in Oklahoma. It's crazy. So, um, Oh yeah. So they're probably already looking. <laughs> yeah. Right. What's she doing with them fences, uh, those jump poles and things like that. Anyway, uh, <laughs> point is it is definitely a unique thing. It is a cool thing. If people want to learn, Ashley, because I know you have a business and you have PEMF that you do, which I, is just awesome. Where can people go to find out some information about you and what you do? I have my Facebook page. Um, I do have the business page, which has mostly my PEMF things on there. Um, that also has, you know, some of my grooming. And I've tried to integrate some of my training with that. But more of my training and stuff is through my personal page. Um, Ashley Raymond Gloria. So, but in general, I, you know, I don't do a lot of the side saddle lessons, but if they want to find out about it, there's a lot in the Northern Virginia area, mm -hmm. numerous people, not just myself that are very knowledgeable in side saddle and do lessons and things like that. Cause we're in the middle of hunt country. Um, well, I mean, so, not to brag or anything, but like, I know, no, you wouldn't say this, but I would like to tell y'all that Ashley is like defecting business, but, uh, you are three time consecutive ladies hunter side saddle championships at the Pennsylvania national and all of those on and off the track thoroughbred. So, uh, you're, you're, you're doing 
amazing at it. I think it's funny how you think it's not very comfortable yet. You're like out there crushing, you know, show jumps and hundred fences and all those things. But, uh, yeah. So, so if people can find out from you where they should go learn from the people that taught you. Um, honestly, just through <laughs> Google and doing networking through Facebook, because most of the people that I know, and even that I have taken lessons with, they are all on Facebook and they're just Googling in that area. A lot of the, like I said, the networking is all online, all social media. So honestly, that's where I would go. There's other websites. I mean, Virginia Equestrian, some people advertise on there. Well, you know, you can find anything in Google. So if you want to Google somebody who's going to teach you side saddle right around you, just Google side saddle riding instructor and put in your state and we'll see what comes up. Ashley, as always. Thank you so much for coming on and telling us and uh, say hello to Epilogue, who was your champion horse. Give him a carrot from us. Oh, well, funny story about him. He's actually my sister's horse. I don't actually own him. I was riding him for her. (laughs) Ah, do you rub it in her face that you've like won the championship like every year? No, no, we're we're pretty close. So the other two horses, they're mine, but um, he was her horse and it was kind of like a, oh, let's go try it because he's not as easy. He's he's much harder um to prep for it uh-huh. so he is not as easy for him actually that was this was pretty special um and I, she was super excited obviously oh that's awesome well so then then sisterly love i love it well thank you for coming on and we will uh look forward to talking to you after your next championship all right thanks for having me bye Bates Saddles are the saddle brand that truly put your horse first. Enjoy comfort, optimal balance, and seamless contact with your horse, leaving you free to concentrate on your aids. Bates Saddles offers you many features you won't find on other saddle brands, including the external Flexi contour block system, which is anatomically contoured to your leg, allowing it to ride in and behind the block to support your individual position for maximized comfort and security. Also, an adjustable ergonomic stirrup bar, which allows effortless rider alignment to be achieved by altering the position of the stirrup bar, enabling you to have complete control over your preferred riding position. Many styles are available, including the new Bates dressage saddles, the Bates Victrix jumping saddles, and the Bates Advanta eventing saddle. Oh my God. You do die looking at that thing. It's awesome. You can even customize colors. It's so cool. Anyway, it's the official saddle of the United States Eventing Association. To learn more about the Bates saddles, go to baitsaddles.com. That's baitsaddles.com. Joy, let's head to Kentucky to new vocations where we talk to our friend every episode, Leandra Cooper. Hello, Leandra. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us again. You keep coming back, so you must uh, you must like us a little bit. You answer the phone. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> well, yeah. we are going to talk about, oh my gosh, an honor code baby. I adored honor code, so I'm super excited to talk to, talk to you about honor code. But first, we've got to ask you a tip, a training tip, something to do with horses. I think last episode, <laughs> we figured out you deal with... How many, how many horses are in your Kentucky division right now? Ballpark. We have around 75 horses. Okay. And that's a revolving door people. So she's the one Leander is kind of the go-to expert on, uh, retired race horses coming right off the track. So one of the questions that I have is, you know, I was, I was doing a little research and 
Uh, they say that 50 to 90% of thoroughbreds that come off the track have stomach ulcers. Now, as far as your experience, when you get the horses off the track, what is your kind of like take on that? Well, I definitely agree with the numbers. I think that what we've seen, and we've actually been lucky enough to work with some groups that have actually undergone some of the studies that attribute to that knowledge base that we have about stomach ulcers and looking specifically at horses coming right off the track. And what we saw was that even of a select group that we picked out for different studies, but thinking in each particular group and time, when we've picked out horses who we thought, okay, this horse seems like they have textbook symptoms, mm-hmm. that we we found that those horses were not always the ones who had, you, that you can't always identify the ones who have the most dramatic cases. And I think that's really, really important because there are some horses that you can say, oh, well, that horse seems like maybe it's ulcery. And you could say, okay, like this is really seeming like a textbook case. And a lot of times, especially given those numbers, you'll be accurate on that. But what I took from that the most was that there are a lot of horses who might have other things going on, but just maybe seem like you can sort of blame ulcers and say, okay, you kind of seem like you have ulcers or you, you know, it's sort of likely that you would have ulcers. And we saw that maybe they just had grade one ulcers um, Mm -hmm. and not the most dramatic cases still worth looking into, but sometimes just giving the horses downtime uh, and making sure that they have sort of a vacation because just like people, sometimes our issues, physical and mental, could be addressed by just having time to relax and alleviating right. some of the stressors. And for horses, especially on the track, that's a really intense job to have. So sometimes they just need the time off and that can correct itself when you're dealing with a minor grade of ulcers. Mm-hmm. So that it's not to be ignored, obviously, but maybe not something that you need to jump into full, uh, full blown treatment scale, but just the importance of what I really, really took from that when we've looked into the people who are scoping them routinely and horses who are being treated and re-scoping them and all of that was one, it's very treatable, um, if you pick up on it, but two, that the symptoms are not really clear. So it's important to keep in mind for any horse that if you're noticing signs of pain or attitude changes, but just more so than anything that we are always considering the horse and their comfort rather than blaming things on behavior. Because I think... Amen! Yeah. If you were to look at every horse in our barn, I'm sure you could find the horses who are coming off the track that they're, you know, they can have all these different levels and different grades of ulcers or some have none and they just are sort of anomalies. But certainly a lot of them have stressors and it turns into 
ulcers. But, you know, even a horse who doesn't show those stereotypical signs, they might be dealing with it. It's just, it's really hard for us to pinpoint based off of like these sort of textbook obvious signs that we sort of know and look out for. But so I would just, I would say from that, like just being mindful of the horses and, and thinking of things like stomach ulcers, because the numbers are certainly uh, point to that it's likely that they are dealing with that if they're coming right off the track and they haven't had downtime. So you you can choose to treat. You can choose to just give them time. You can choose to scope them. But it's it's something to definitely just play on the safe side because it is really treatable. Just consider it. Always consider it as something that you'll have to deal with or go through or or consider that treatment when you're, especially when you're adopting a horse coming right off the track because I'll get questions saying, you know, well, do you think this horse is ulcery? Well, you know, th- that's a hard question because like, as I said, you can't always pick that out. You, even the ones who you'd say, oh, well, you know, likely it is. Well, it's likely it is for any of them, but it's just something that we should consider as intrinsically involved in that. But I will say the ones who we've noticed most consistently when we did have them scoped and when they were in those studies, the horses who were war horses and had just finished that career were oftentimes ones who experienced the higher grades of stomach ulcers, but they've had uh, again, it's a tough career. It's a lot of traveling. It's a lot of hard work. Um, not as much turnout time often. You know, some of them get that time off and some don't. Um, but again, like those are horses who have campaigned for a while. So it is, again, just really important for everybody to consider with every OTTB that that is likely something that they are going through to one extent or another. So it's really important to be mindful of their, what they're going through and then figuring out ways to approach that so that you can set them up for success in the future. I was looking at a study and it's KER, which is Kentucky equine research. And it says only 37% of untrained thoroughbreds may have ulcers, but that rate increases to 80 to 100% within two to three months of training. And then you add on war horses who have raced Mm -hmm. quite a bit. I mean, I think it's a really big problem with racehorses and a lot of them come to me, the ones that have had a lot of downtime are super fine. Like they've healed, Mm -hmm. they've had no stress. They've had no reason to produce ulcers. They've had round bales and they've had constant food. Um, but the ones that come straight off the track, you know, how many times all of you people listening to this, have you heard that horse is crazy. That horse is crazy. It's dangerous. It's this, it's that it's, it's, it's horses don't want to be bad. They inherently don't want to behave poorly and hurt people or be crazy. As you call it, there's usually an underlying medical condition. And I think that that is our, uh, job as stewards of these horses. Once they come off the track to figure out what their issues are and address those. So I I do think you're right. So I know people always go, Oh, it's ulcers. It's ulcers, but it's true. Look at these numbers. It's insane. Standard breads, endurance horses, yeah. show horses, because that is the way that we've created their lifestyle when they can't graze, you know, and walk a hundred miles a day. So at any well, rate, and you- I think that, that is really a really important point because if you, it, a lot of it is just based off of our expectation of the horses. So if you were to take a horse who does have stomach ulcers, but allow them the time to have off and to just give, you know, maybe have them in a 
24-7 field, you know, giving them the option to just have that time off, just be grazing all the time, return to a very sort of historically natural basis for them. A lot of that can resolve on its own. But, you know, we put them on these time frames where we want to have them in training. We want to do that. But if we are going to do that, we also need to consider that that will require many times to have a bigger investment in the treatment options to mitigate the effects of the training and the stress that we're putting them through. So, you know, giving them extended time off and having that work-life balance for them, you know, is important and, or, you, you know, bringing in a heavier treatment style, like doing ultra guard, but it's, you you can't have um, neither in those mix. You, You need to incorporate some, uh, balance for them, whether it's in a more medicated sort of way, but, you know, hopefully also bringing in that work-life balance for them and giving them time because that that itself can, can resolve quite a few issues. And from the back of the pack on the outside, commanding curve is taken second, but California Chrome shines right in the Kentucky Derby! And now it's time for the New Vocations Winner's Circle Adoptable Horse of the Week. Now, now let's move on to Dark Code. His mm-hmm. bar name is Donnie. He's an honor code baby. And oh my gosh, he looks just like his sire. He does. He's a carbon copy. Yeah. And I, I have found, I didn't know Honored Code himself, but... I have had the great fortune of having several of his prodigy in the barns and they are consistently some of my favorite horses to work with. And dark coat is no exception to that. So at three years old, he's already a nice chunky built 16, maybe, maybe a touch higher than 16 already because he's been growing. Uh, he's only three hands. He's only three years old, so still time for that. And he is a horse who we've given extra time off because he had some irregular fibers in his suspensories, which is really common, um, but something that a lot of times that we're able to help them resolve by just working on creating a little more heel and working on their feet to give them the relief they need. Um, as oftentimes that soft tissue damage happens as a result of hyperextension, which oftentimes happens because they don't have enough um, heel to work with. So they just can't get the release they need. I digress, but he's just had (laughs) extra time off. He's already jogging. Well, we our predicted timeline for him was to give him the rest of the year off, but he's already feeling really good. This is a horse who even at three years old is so calm and cool and collected minds himself really well. He's in a 24 seven field. It's a 15 acre field. He's an easy leader who doesn't pick on anybody, but is just has that aura of cool guy that all the other horses want to follow. And he's just happy to eat all day. And a horse who can keep his condition, keep his feet in good condition. I mean, this is, a horse who's already set up very well to be an easier keeper. And he has this really level mindset under saddle because we had a couple rides where we were just 
sort of getting used to him before we decided to give him more time. And he could not have been easier to work with. He just had that easy disposition to him and that feeling of being a sort of older soul where he just felt like this was so routine. You know, this lifestyle has transitioned to being a more sport horse lifestyle, you know, swapping from being a racehorse and being at a slower pace. Like this is all totally easy to him. So I'm super excited to see how he does when he starts being put back into work. And when he's with an adopter in the future, I think that he's going to be an all-star. So I'm really excited about him. Is he barefoot right now? He is barefoot. He is. Okay. So I'm watching him in the pasture and Oh my God. Like he comes, well, your third video is him in the pasture and he comes cantering yeah. down a hill on his left lead. Does a perfect flying lead change directly in front of the camera? And like, uh, yes. <laughs> like what? He's and he's, off. Yeah. He's just got really good balance. <laughs> I think he, you could see where he would almost reach out a little because y'all have some jog videos of him on the concrete. And I really think like with, mm -hmm. even with some shoes, he would like really step out a lot more. Like he is awesome. Yeah. He is he's just not even trying right now. No, he's just, and he <laughs> looks just like his daddy who I was like obsessed with. So, um, if yeah. you could put him over to the side, I'll come and see him next week. <laughs> yeah. no uh, this is awesome. Well, uh, as always, thank you so much for coming on. It's horse adopt com. The horse's name is dark code. And of course, Leandra, people can email you for questions. They can find you on Facebook, Leandra Cooper, um, new vocations, racehorse adoption program. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on the website at retiredracehorseradio.com. Find us on Facebook. Just search for Retired Racehorse Radio. We're on Twitter, Horse Radio. I have a Facebook page, Jamie Jennings, Certified Monty Roberts Instructor. You can email Joy, Joy at horseradionetwork.com or find her on Insta, which the kids are saying these days. Find her on Insta, Joy H. Equestrian. Uh, thanks to, so much to our sponsors. We couldn't do it without Kentucky Performance Products, and we're happy to have Bates products, bait saddles and casual products. Don't forget to check out all the other radio shows on horseradionetwork.com or at horseradionetwork.com. I never get to do this part, George. Usually it's joy, but she had to go. Uh, so rem she says her, her exit line is remember to set your goals high and love to learn from every ride. Did I do it in her voice? Pretty good. My producer. Uh, and then for me, spay, neuter and geld. Oh,